This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. Not a cause. And um, we started off in the story of how David um, has come against Goliath. And, um, and there were some challenges. I'm going to just give you the scriptural references in 1 Samuel 17. And so the first thing of this challenge is he comes and his own, obviously he was chosen as king. His own father rejected him because he wasn't even in the lineup. He wasn't even in the A team. He wasn't even in the B team. He wasn't even in the C team. He wasn't even in the G team. He wasn't on the team. He wasn't chosen. So he was sort of like rejected. All the other brothers were lined up. And so he's just a nobody. Um, eventually Samuel calls him and um, stands there, and this is God's choice. And then we see this progression, even as he lo- as he kills the lion, as he kills the bear. Then he goes on, and eventually comes onto the scene in First cha- Chapter Seventeen, First Samuel Seventeen. And his um, his own brother Eliab, the big guy, says, "Who who are you? Look at the pride in your heart." And and he takes on his character, and he climbs into his character in a way that you cannot believe it. <laughs> Um, and everybody is saying, like, who, who are you? You know, go back. His own brother says, go back to where you come from. You don't even belong here. We are the army. We are the great people. Uh, meantime, they're all full of fear. Nobody's standing up. And Goliath is having a field day of just coming against the armies of God. And then we all know the story. We he went to the brook and he took out these five stones. And um, he had a great conversation with God. That's the one thing I'm going to ask the Lord one day. And I'm going to ask David, what did you talk to God about there where you picked up those little stones? Um, and uh, they wanted to put Saul's armor on him, but but that didn't work, you know. Sort of almost a picture of how other people want to live their dreams and their visions through our lives many times. And so we spoke a lot about us as individuals, that there's a cause for us. There's a... There's a reason why we are here. There's a reason why you are living in this time. You're not just here to make it through this life. And uh, the story of David um, is, is such a, a beautiful story. Eventually, when he runs up against Goliath, he doesn't even look at Goliath. He says, I come to you in the name of the Lord of the hosts of the armies of heaven. And, and he defies every stronghold, every fear, and, and he just runs and eventually cuts off Goliath's head to make sure that he's dead. Deader, deadster, okay, that he's really dead. Um, and, and, and he, and he just sort of rejects everything that seems so big and such a stronghold. And, um, and today, as, as we're continuing, you know, then we looked at 1 Peter 5, and we started to talk about this issue of suffering and challenges in our lives. I think a lot of us as Christians, what we pray for is we say, God, please take away the tough times. Take away the suffering. And and yet it's not really biblical to pray like that. You must say, Lord, take me through the suffering. Take me through so that I can become what you have called me to become. You know, uh, the prosperity gospel in a sense says, hey, God is just here to serve us, to make our lives great. To, to, to give us an awesome thing, or he comes on a silver plate, and, and so that we can escape the challenges of the world. But it's never been intended like that. We are in this world, but we're not of this world. And so we looked at Peter, and we're going we're gonna to start there, how Peter writes to 
a group of people scattered. It wasn't a specific church, but he wrote to a, a group of, of Christians all over that were on the verge and entering into a season of great suffering and persecution as the church. And, uh, and so he writes to them and he tells them, hey, submit to one another. And there's a lot of stuff. So I'm going to jump into verse 5. Are you all with me? You all all right? First Peter 5, verse 5, you can read from verse 1. We read from verse 1 last week. It says, likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And um, we spoke about it last week, but the word actually there for, for be clothed with humility means to literally put on a servant's apron. And to say this every day, I must, I must put on that apron. I must, I must learn to serve others. I must learn to serve God first. And then I must learn to serve others around me. And it's not, the way of serving is, is difficult because the whole world is in a consumer environment. Everybody comes in and I want it and I want it now and I want it. We, we live in a culture of entitlement. We live in a culture where there's, where there's so many disrespectful people that think, well, because I can just say something, I can just go for it, you know? I don't know if you've ever, you know, I say there's a quote sometimes on Facebook or somewhere. I, I looked at some of the quotes of what people said after um, Angus was here a couple of weeks ago. Um, and we live streamed um, his whole service. And, 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 and then you look at what statements people can make. Now, most of it was positive, but there were these critical, negative, bitter, blessed, Lord bless them people, <laughs> you know. And uh, keep them far away from us. No, no, I'm only joking. Uh, Lord, bless them and keep them, yeah? We want to sort of change the scripture a little bit. But but it's amazing how critical people can become. Some make these massive statements and they've never even met the person. They haven't looked at the fruit of their lives. But but this is the time we're living in. We're living in crazy times where everybody thinks they can just say something. And that's why God says, in this sense of... Coming to know the fullness of God, you're going to need to know humility. <laughs> serving is the only way. Not consumerism. Not we, we, we have to serve our communities. We have to serve the people around us. And then he went on. It says, therefore, verse 6, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. And then he gives a couple of things. He says, so first, humble yourself. Then, verse 7, cast, learn to cast all your cares upon him. Because the world is going to put cares on you. How many of you sometimes, every day, you think like, oh, there's so many weights, there's so many stuff that's put on me, so many responsibilities. Sometimes I just want to run away. You know, Sometimes I think it's too much for me. Sometimes, how many of you sometimes feel like that? How many of you felt like that this week? Can we be honest? You, you, you're you're going you're gonna to face those challenges. You're going to face those giants. And I, he says, the way we come to God is in humility, but then you must learn to cast your care upon him. Learn to take off those weights and put it before God and say, God, I can't handle this. You know? God, it's too much for me. But, but just be honest. Be authentic in your relationship. Don't try to fix yourself. I mean, that's part of humility is just showing your brokenness. Showing that, hey, I need God. I'm dependent on God. Can I get an Amen. Just means I agree. Casting all your care upon him. And now he goes on. He says, you come in humility. You learn to cast your care upon him. 
But then he says, the attitude that you have is you must be sober. You must be awake. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion. Seek whom he may devour. He says, look here, you have to realize that what's going on around you, it's, this isn't just a little game we're playing. There's, there's a massive spiritual war and, and the devil is walking out there and, and he's like a roaring lion. He, he's, he's seeking who can he destroy. That's why we need to protect our marriages, our families. We need to pray for each other. We need to be there for each other. That's why community is so important. But he says, be sober because the world will make you drunk. Not necessarily just with alcohol, but with a lot of other things. You switch on the television and you think like, well, I can just watch this movie. But every movie has got a certain worldview that it brings. No, but it's just a nice romantic comedy. (laughs) Sure. If you want to know, ask my wife. There's some good Christian websites where you can actually go and read the reviews of those movies. As a Christian, you can't just watch a movie. Don't just go and say, oh, okay, I'm going to take out this movie because it's nice. I heard somebody else said it's nice. Go and do your homework and see what's the worldview, what, you know, and, and that thing tells you exactly how many times it, they swear and how many times they blaspheme. And if they blaspheme once, then don't watch the movie. Stand up and walk out. Because I'm not going to allow somebody to say something bad about my mother. How can I allow somebody to say something bad about God? Who's the king of kings and the Lord of lords? But you know, we go through life sometimes with these blindfolds on not being aware of actually how we are being indoctrinated by certain things. And that's why he says there, be sober, (laughs) be sober, be vigilant, not be performance orientated, but be sober, be ready. Because your adversary, you have an adversary. If you haven't noticed it, you have an adversary. (laughs) Oh, slap foot. Oh, slap feet. Okay. He's defeated, but you need to remind him. And that's why he goes on and he says, resist him steadfast in the faith. Knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But may the God of all grace who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be the glory and dominion forever. So he gives us these tools and he says, guys, in, in the times when everything is going tough and maybe you, there's a lot of stuff, then, then humble yourself unto God. Cast your cares upon him. Be sober and learn to resist the devil. Because he's going to go for you. He's going to gun for you. He's going to gun for your peace, for your faith, for your joy. And then the prayer comes up. And this is where we ended last week. And he says, this is is what's going to happen when you do it the right way in your life. When you go through the tough times, when you go through the suffering, he uses four words. And we looked at those four words. We ended with that. Just throw on the next slide, please. He says, I want you to be May God perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. And we looked at the meaning of all four of these words. To perfect means to restore completely, to mend the net, that which was broken. So it says, in, as you go through suffering, God is going to restore you. But, but we think like, no, 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 Lord, take away the tough times <laughs> so that I can drink pineapple drinks with you. <laughs> Lord says, uh-uh. It's in, in tough times that you're going to be lear- that you're going to learn to be perfected, be restored. Because then you're going to know the one who restores you. 
Now, in, in the modern day gospel, we want to sort of have the blessings, but we don't want to know the blesser. <laughs> we want to have the healing, but we don't want to know the healer. We want to know deliverance, have our deliverance, and then go on with our lives, but we don't want to know the deliverer. But isn't it amazing when this woman that, that touched Jesus, the hem of his garment, it says that virtue flowed out of her. He healed her on the spot physically, but later on he says, Hey, lady, you are now healed of your affliction. She received so much more than just the physical healing because she was afflicted. She was tormented in her soul. And so that's what God wants to do. He wants to, he wants to restore you. He wants to, the word perf- perfect you. It's like setting a fracture and that fracture, that, that bone grows back stronger than its original way. The second thing that we looked at is to establish you, to make you as firm and solid as granite. To make your faith strong. <laughs> Isn't it amazing? You know, um, I was I was telling somebody this morning. You know, those those times um, when things don't go so well. We 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 all have those times. I'm not going to go into a lot of detail, but I remember we had this wedding, and my wife and I we drove there to to uh, Belofte Bos, and so we drove. We had a wedding in, in Mossel Bay, and the next morning we drove through to the Stanford side to do a wedding there. And on the way that afternoon, we bought this quiche, built-on quiche, you know, there at a little stall there next to the road. So so as we're eating it, I'm, I'm thinking like, I don't, I don't know, but I smell something, but, but, but I don't really know. So, so we eat it, nice. Now we go do the wedding. And so we're sleeping over at friends of ours on the farm there. And, um, and around about 12 o'clock, I wake up and suddenly I feel like I'm overwhelmed by the cares of this world. And my stomach wants to respond to that. <laughs> But now there's the bed and there's this corridor. And so, so, but the toilet, it's not an ensuite bathroom toilet. So the toilet is on the other side, but, the, but it's sort of on the one side and there's this door in between. So, so I jump up and I run. And then I realize like, oops, this isn't a normal stomach. Like, let's just, so as I get out the door, I realize I'm not going to make the toilet. But don't worry, it wasn't at the bottom, it was on the top. So then, there was this, this, there was this wall that was, there was no painting on the wall. But I think I picked up so much speed that my inner creativity wanted to paint the wall. You know? So at 12 o'clock at night, I painted the wall. You know? It was a, was a oil painting, it, it dripped down. Then I, I, I turned around, I didn't know, and I realized, oh, the toilet is on that side, so I ran. And, and then I thought, like, no, there's no carpet, there's this beautiful wooden floor, so let's, 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 let's carpet the floor as well, you know? I, it's amazing how quiche can multiply. It, it's just like, it's just like, you know? <laughs> so, so now we're in these other people's house, and and I am so weak, and I just, you know, when you when you have a stomach bug and stuff like that, you just feel like it's the end of the world. You feel like, Lord, beam me up, you know, bring the rapture. <laughs> so now I realize, like, I'm in trouble because, you know, 
what am I going to do? All these, pe- these people, it's their home. It's not even my own home. It's, you know, so, I, so there's this middle door. I go lock the door and then I go into the bathroom and I, cause, cause now everything is, you know, I've, 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 I've casted my keys on, into this world, you know, and, um, but praise the Lord, there were so many toilet rolls. So now what's beginning to happen from 12 till 2, I'm cleaning my creativity, you know. So I'm just trying to be quiet because now these wooden floors, eek, 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 you know, all the place. And then you just feel like at the end of yourself, you know. And, um, and you feel like, oh, the whole world owes you something. You're going to self-pity. You're going to all, you go through all the emotions and eventually you just want to get to bed. Now, we've all had moments like this. I must tell you this one. No, no, I'm not going to tell you this story. But the reason why I'm telling this because I'm, we we all have these days where it's just going crazy, where our faith fails, where everything just, you know, we 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 sort of like, you know, we feel like we have a spiritual stomach bug, you know. But isn't it amazing in those moments when we yield to God that He comes to strengthen us. He comes to speak to us. Those moments you don't want to be spiritual and then God speaks to you. See, there's a whole sermon on that which happened there on the farm now already. You know? I'm only joking. That's a, but, um, <clears throat> but he's making you firm. Firm here. Firm here. Okay? Firm in your faith. And so don't run away from the tough times. Don't reject them. Don't don't ignore them because you can go through those tough times and not learn one thing or you can go with humility and realize like, I can be a blessing to somebody else. Because those are the last two words is to strengthen, to fill you with strength and to settle you. The word timillion is to lay foundations for future generations. That God actually establish you in such a way that your children's children will be blessed because of the way you walk through that tough time. Through the things that you've experienced. And, and so, so we want to just ignore and run, run away, but there's stuff. It's part of your testimony. It's part of what God is doing in your life. It's like, like Michelle and Kua said last week, you know, it's, it's like sometimes God tells you to do something and, and then you think like, this is crazy, you know. Everybody else is saying, no, you're crazy. And, and then God says, no, you're prophetic. And then you think, yeah, no, I feel pathetic, but hallelujah, prophetic. You know, let's go for what God says. Yeah? It is just amazing. And then all hell will break loose, especially when it comes to God's word in your life. And that's the moment when so many people walk away. So many people say, no, no, no. This is too tough for me. I'm going to just be a normal, comfortable Christian. Now, when you step out, when you get saved, when you baptize, get baptized, and you start to walk in the fullness of God. I spoke to a, a, a young guy this, this week that got baptized last Sunday, and then he says, shoo, suddenly all hell broke loose. And I said, wonderful. You need it. Why? Because the devil isn't happy with you. It's a sign that you're on the right track, that God is actually saying, hey, now you're enrolling in my army. Now you're putting up your hand and say, God, I want to be used. God, I, I, I want to make a difference. Is there not a cause? I want to have that David spirit inside of me that says, Lord, when everybody else fails, then there's going to be one man, there's going to be one woman, there's going to be one mother, there's going to be one father, there's going to be one son that says, hey, this is what God says. What is what? Have we, have we listened to God? What is his opinion? Are, are you with me? Okay, so now we're, gonna, now we're actually getting into the sermon. Are you, are you ready for that? So in Jeremiah 29, and this is actually Christ's sermon. One of our elders sitting there, Christ, waved at us. 
This is Christus' sermon because he's been bugging me for six months and he planted a seed of what something God said to him. So I'm stealing this, this scripture from him because I believe, you know, God speaks to all of us as leaders. And um, in Jeremiah 29, that says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all who were carried away captive, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem to Babylon. <laughs> now, um, how many of you know that the God, or how many of you think the God of the Old Testament is the same God as the God of the New Testament? Raise your hand. Raise your hand very high. Let me see. Okay. Now, God cannot change. Did you, did you know that? In, in the New Testament, it's on the other side of the cross, and we look at everything through the cross and through grace and through mercy, but it doesn't mean God has changed. So the problem with Jeremiah 29 is those little words, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem to Babylon. <laughs> 70 years of captivity. And God says, I've caused it. And, and listen to what he says. When you get there, build houses and dwell in them. Plant gardens and eat their fruit. Take wives and beget sons and daughters. And take wives for your sons and give your daughters to a husband. So that they may be sons and daughters. That you may be increased there and not diminished. So he says, when you get there in that captivity, multiply. I was looking at all the kids running here. And I thought like, oh my God, we need to pray for lots of boys. Because there's... Lots of girls. And I said, like, husbands, husbands, husbands. Give them all husbands, Lord. But I'm thinking, like, whoa, the church is full of girls. Okay? So I think it's Stellenbosch's water or some of the region's water, okay, or the little water. But but we're going to pray for the boys. I mean, so that all those girls can have good husbands that love the Lord. Okay. Can I get an amen somewhere, all the ladies? Okay. It says, take wives and beget sons and take wives. Okay, so it goes on. Verse 7 now says, you when you go to a place... Understand that you are there for a reason. Even in your captivity, even in your tough times, you're going to go to Babylon and you're going to need to have a certain attitude in your captivity. Verse 7, and seek the peace of the city where I've caused you to be carried away captive and pray to the Lord for it. For in its peace, you will have peace. There are some people that have just, this year, God is doing amazing stuff because he's just adding so many people to the church here. But I've been talking a lot to some people like Voter, that's, but he's already, he's not an incomer anymore, Vos Voter, I saw him here this morning, but there he is. But it's so difficult for people when they move down to, to Stellenbosch to actually feel part of the town because the town is very cliquish, very like... If you're there, then you're there. If you're not there, then you're not there. So, so it's difficult for some people, but it's amazing how God is now for us as a church, sending people from other towns, from other places, and giving them words to come here, to settle here in the church, and settle in this town because there's a cause for them. And, and it's just, it's actually a prophecy that somebody spoke two years ago, and it's busy happening. It is amazing. <laughs> but he says, when, when you come... When you're in a town, then, then pray for the peace of that town. Pray for the peace of that region because you understand that God wants to do something there. 
Now verse 8. For thus is the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. Do not let your prophets and your diviners who are in your midst deceive you. Nor listen to your dreams which you also cause to be dreamed. For they prophesy falsely to you in your name. I have not sent them, says the Lord. For thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you and cause you to return to this place. So, so firstly, God says, when you come into a place or in a region, and we're finding that, that people are now driving through from Cape Town just to be here in the church, because it says there's something prophetic that God has called them to be here while they're here. And, and it's, and it's amazing. And we're just saying, hey, you're welcome, even if you don't live here, because you understand that part of your redemptive purpose is the redemptive purpose of the place you live in, of the region you live in. And so God says, hey, seek the peace and pray for the peace of that region, of that place, because there's maybe a prophetic call, maybe there's something, why you are there. But then he goes on and he, and he says, in that process, in that captivity, be very careful for false prophets. He says, because a lot of people will prophesy according to the idolatry in your heart, and he will prophesy according to the circumstances. Don't listen to them, God says. Now, isn't it amazing? I, I don't know about you, but please don't send me prophetic words from people that you don't know personally. <laughs> Please, I, I, I get a hundred every week and I don't listen to them. I delete them because I understand the scriptural principle. <laughs> if there's drought in Cape Town, then listen to the prophets in Cape Town. But first listen to God. <laughs> Because he says, that's just going to be naturally happen, you know. And then you get these guys from America that prophesied five years ago. And these people that they, the only problem is you must taste the fruit of that person. You must taste the spirit. And if you don't know that person personally, don't just receive a word from them, you know. So I don't know if you get so many WhatsApp messages as I, you know. And, and the best ones are those ones that say, hey, warning, there are churches in India being burnt down. Pray right now. Go for it, you know. And then I realize like, no, 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 Khuna, that message was like six years ago. But what's happening is it's there to actually distract us to hear what God is saying. Because those prophetic stuff in the midst of that is always going to prophesy because, hey, God is going to deliver you right now. God is going to deliver you right now. And, and you will easily get deceived in that process because... You're starting to focus on the Goliath and you're not at the brook where you can hear what God is saying. Are, are you with me? So be careful in a time when it's tough or there's drought in the Western Cape or stuff that just to listen to any prophetic stuff. Now you must be sober. It's in that context that God says, hey, I'm going to take you out into Babylon. You're going to be in slavery for 70 years. And you know what? Seek the peace of that place. Learn to learn to grow in the place. Multiply yourself. Grow your faith. Be strengthened. Be be perfected. Be encouraged. Be build yourself up in in that time, even when it's tough times. But don't listen to the false prophecies. So so I'm very excited because now is the time for the true prophets to stand up. But be careful; the false will always come before the true. So so. People, discern, learn to discern, learn to have wisdom. Don't just send the prophecies. Don't just think because somebody else said two years ago, oh, it's going to rain in Cape Town. 
Because the prophecy will always connect to hearts, will bring us back to repentance, or it will focus on the, on the breakthrough. Don't focus on the breakthrough. Focus on what God wants to do in your heart, what he wants to do in my heart. Are, are you with me? So we can learn a principle of how God deals. And now in verse 11, this is now the part that everybody says. This is a scripture we always quote, but out of context. <laughs> For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. And then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord. And I will bring you back from your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I've driven you, says the Lord. And I will bring you to the place from which I cause you to be carried away captive. We at the beginning of the year did a series on seeking God. In the tough times, you need to learn to seek God. And that's, that's why God says it's so beautiful. Know my heart towards you. I have thoughts of peace to give you a future. But he's saying it to them in captivity. He's saying it to them as he's sending them into captivity. As he was bringing them into a place where they feel like, oh, I can't get out of this. This is crazy. And God says, but know that in that place where you are, I've got thoughts to prosper you, to give you a future. But I want you to learn to seek me. Because when you seek me with all of your heart, you will I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you from your captivity. No, no, this, this doesn't sound so lacquer, you know? Because I, I want the breakthrough God. I want a breakthrough gospel. I, wanna, I want everything to go my way. And then I will serve God. God says, uh-uh, seek me. Learn to seek me. Learn to, learn to find me. Learn to, to come with all of your heart. Because that's what it will produce in those times when you come and when you have prayed and you don't have the answer and you think like, oh, it's just my faith and God is beginning to strengthen me, you know. Then, then suddenly God says, but know my thoughts. I have thoughts. I have thoughts. It's not your thoughts, but I have thoughts. So we're doing it in three parts. So, so, so we're going to continue because... Part of your life and part of my life of being and living in the Cape is that you are placed here for a redemptive purpose. You are placed in this church for a redemptive purpose. You're not just here to be a church member. And that redemptive purpose starts by you and I serving, serving God, serving each other, putting on an apron and learning to serve family and community. And as we do that, as we seek to multiply, as we seek to grow, and as you as a family the same, then suddenly, even in this tough times, because, you know, there's a, there's a lot of stuff in our town, if you didn't know that, there's an intellectual pride. It's an ugly thing. It's a, a pride, pride is an ugly thing. It's a stronghold over this town. And intellectualism You cannot fight with intellectualism. You have to fight it with the spirit. And that's why we need the prophetic. That's why we need the fullness of the Holy Spirit. That's why we need to yield to God. Because that's the only way you counter strongholds. Another stronghold may be Bacchus, a drinking spirit. No, 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 no. But this is wine country. Well... Do you know that in most res- residences here, especially the men's residences, part of you being a first year or be- 
coming into that race is they make everybody drunk. Girls as well. See how drunk they can make you. Do you know how many alcoholism, alcoholics are in this region? Do you know that the Western Cape has got the most alcohol syndrome numbers? I think it's the highest in the world. So I was talking to a pastor the other day and he says, no, 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 he, he doesn't really like, you know, he hasn't got a problem with wine and when they have eldership meeting, they like a drink themselves and they just go for it because this is wine region. <laughs> I said, I don't have a problem with wine, but what I do have a problem with is what example do we set for other people? And if we are aware of what's going on around us spiritually, then we must be sober. <laughs> Physically and spiritually. I mean, I'm just, I'm just throwing that in. I haven't got anything against people drinking wine, but I will never, I don't drink at all because I grew up in a farm where I saw the destruction of alcohol. But you know what? I will never drink publicly because I understand that my life must be different. I'm not just passing through. Through everything I do, I wanna, I wanna resist the devil. I wanna make sure that, that on the watch of us as a church, that those things are broken. There's a stronghold that we're contending with, and we're not running against a stronghold, but we are multiplying ourselves. <laughs> we are growing in these areas. You know, we have so much redemptive that even French Hook and places, this whole region was preserved for the gospel. Was so that missionaries can be raised up to go to the nations. That was why Stalinbos was formed. That's why Franz Hook was formed and Paul. Not to make nice wine, but to export laborers for the kingdom. And we need to contend for that. That's why you're here. We're not here to play church, church. Listen to this in Ezekiel. Why did God destroy Sodom and Gomorrah? See, God has got relationships. God has got a relationship not just with a bunch of individuals, but God would look down at Stellenbosch and the Western Cape in South Africa because in the end there's going to be sheep and goat nations standing before God. And I trust we're going to be a sheep nation, I mean. But Ezekiel 16 is a, is a crazy chapter where God reveals his heart towards cities and regions. So he talks to these cities as if they are women. And, and, and he says, I as God have got maybe a challenge with you as the Western Cape. So, so think now in terms of what's been going on in the news a little bit. Can God be angry with the Western Cape? Can God be unhappy with the Western Cape? Can God be unhappy with Stellenbosch? With Franchuk. It's getting very quiet in here. But listen what he says to Sodom. He says, look, this was the iniquity of your sister Sodom. So he's talking to another city. But now he says, this is the problem of your sister. That other city around the corner, Sodom. This is the problem I have. She and her daughter had pride. Fullness of food. And abundance of idleness. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and the needy. 
And they were haughty and committed abomination before me. Therefore, I took them away as I saw fit. Sure, but that doesn't fit in with my doctrine, Lord. (laughs) Sodom had pride. Sodom didn't care for the poor. So God says, your sister Sodom, this, this, is, this is what's happening in that city, and this is how I see it. And the first, isn't it amazing? When God comes so many times, then he looks, and he looks for one righteous person in a city to be able to save that city. And we see how even Moses or Abraham and these guys would contend with God and say, God, can I just find ten righteous? If I find ten righteous people in this city, will you save that city? God says, okay, go look. Go look. Go find me ten righteous people. People that are living in a biblical way. People that are saying there is a cause. There's something. There's a greater purpose. There's a reason why you, you are here. There's a reason why we are here. There's a reason why we as a church are here. We're not just playing church, church. We're not just giving you chicken nuggets on a Sunday morning. But there's a prophetic statement that God wants to make. And he invites us to it. And the reason I'm throwing that on is not for us to be condemned or whatever. But there's certain stuff that God is not happy with with Stellenbosch. When we have wine festivals and when young people get raped every Friday night and Saturday night and nobody does anything about it. Just drunkenness when people in Clutusville are being murdered every week. God doesn't just turn a blind eye and say, oh, oh. Let's move on because there's some nice, happy clappies in town. God says, I want your heart. And when you turn, when the church turns back to him, when the people of God say, God, we're contending for the redemptive purpose of our town. We're contending for the redemptive purpose of this region. Have mercy on us. Then God shows mercy. He says, you're going to find me. And it happens with you and I bringing all of our brokenness, all of our stuff, all the, all the things, yeah, to God and say, God, here am I, send me. Like he sent Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6. And then Isaiah came against his, not against his own culture in a way, but his whole life was prophesying against the hard-necked and stiff-necked people that didn't want to turn back to God. Isn't that the story of the prophets of Ezekiel and Jeremiah and Isaiah? (laughs) Saying, hey, you're in captivity. Your hearts are hardened. Turn back to God. Turn back to God. And people don't like the prophetic. (laughs) Because it will challenge you to turn back to God. So what does that mean practically for you and I and we're going to end here? Begin to ask God. Say, God, why did you cause me to live here now? As long as you're just an, an, a nice Christian, a good person, you greet your neighbor, smile, be happy, the devil is going to leave you because <laughs> you are no threat. But the moment when you get on your knees and you begin to pray, not just for your own breakthrough, but you begin to pray, say, God, I see these things. And that's why I want to really encourage the people that has come from the outside. You are here for a reason. Because you're not subject always to the things that are that has been happening here. 
That's why God sends prophets always from the outside. That's why God comes over Jerusalem and he says, Jerusalem, the one moment they wave the palm branches and say, hallelujah, praise be to God. The next moment Jesus stands over Jerusalem as he comes through Jericho and he goes up to Jerusalem. He says, oh, how I long to gather you. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I long to gather you like a mother hen gathers at chicks, but you stone the prophets, the people that I've sent to you that has come to bring redemption. You have stoned them. You have killed them. You have rejected them. You've rejected my word. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, not one stone will be left turned upon each other. Seventy years after that prophecy, Jerusalem was destroyed as a city. They could literally take a plow and plow right through the center of Jerusalem. There was nothing left. And Jesus said, but that's not my heart, my heart. My thoughts are to bring you to redemption, Jerusalem. But you've rejected, you've walked away, you've chosen your own ways. And, and when you go and see how God has a relationship with groups of people and with nations, then suddenly you begin to mature as a Christian. And you realize it's not just about me. It's about us, our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Give us today our daily bread. Will you stand with me this morning? So maybe you think, well, no, it's not applicable to me because I live in a comfortable place. I have a nice house. I have a big fence. It will affect all of us because it will affect your children. It will affect the way we live. That's why God says, seek the peace of that region. I have thoughts to prosper you. I have thoughts that you cannot even dream of. But I want, I, I want you to come in it, and, it, and it's, and it's going to mean a, a place where you sometimes let go of your culture. Sometimes let go of your fears. <laughs> Sometimes let go of that stuff that you've been bugging God with and bring it as a sacrifice to him and say, God, that hurt, that pain, I don't know. But in that place, God brings restoration. In that place, he brings redemption. And then suddenly you realize, I'm not just David passing by. I'm not just coming to bring a piece of bread to my brother's. God has started to establish something and ask me, is there not a cause? Sometimes, and I want to talk to some of the older people here. Sometimes the devil makes us focus so much, get so distracted on things that, that really starts to steal all of our focus, all of our attention. And all he's gunning for is he's gunning for your faith. He's gunning for you to stop dreaming, to stop believing, to stop asking. To stop saying, is there, is there not a cause? Is, 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 this, is this all of it? And you can see when he's got you is when there's no prayer life anymore. When you've stopped interceding. I met a lady who was... Um, we had an orphanage. She started an orphanage in Kenya and then she moved over to America. And, um, and I think she was, I can't remember, but it was 12 or 14 years she stayed in America. Black lady, beautiful lady. But for 14 years she had the nation of Kenya 
Kenya on her heart. Every day she just prayed, Lord, bring redemption in Kenya. And she's this little lady there in America in Colorado somewhere. She says, God, there's so many orphans, there's so many people that that are suffering in Kenya. But every day she just brought it before the throne of God. She realized that's part of her redemptive purpose. For 12 or 14 years she just prayed. <laughs> and then one day she got a phone call. She says, hello lady, I'm the president of Kenya. I want you to fly over. I want you to come and help us with our orphans. She said, now what? What has happened? One of those orphans in her home grew up and eventually started working in the president's office. And he said, I know a lady who can help us. She flew over and she affected a nation. (laughs) But she walked into God's redemption to redeem a nation. I want to say to us, we as a church, we are here to redeem nations. It starts in your family. It starts at home when you establish those children. These children that just went through that door, they're the next generation. That's our first call to reach the nations is reach them. (laughs) But then it starts in our home. It starts in our workplace. We're not performance orientated, but you just begin to say, God, there must be more than this. There must be a cause. So, so, so when I drive through this town, I'm frustrated. And I think like, Lord, there's so many thousands of students. We have a thousand students here in church. So some of you must come in the evening and just come and check out. Say, hey, I want to be a father to those young people. <laughs> because it's a fatherless generation. Just say, hey, I'm going to come and pray for them. Because God has already sent us hundreds of them. I think like, Lord, there's thousands out there that are crying out for their redemptive purpose. It's a a stirring, it's an urgency in our hearts that we're not just going through this life. Is there not a cause? Now the Goliaths are great, but is there not a cause? Yes, my own brother ridicules me and tells me all this bad stuff, but is there not a cause? And I want to tell you, there is. There's a reason why you're here this morning. Is to meet with God and see how big God is. Whether you're old, whether you're young, doesn't matter. When you go into the throne room of God, there's a cause. And just start by praying. Start by interceding. Start by saying, God, what do you want me to pray for? Amen. So what we're going to do is, if if you are here and you, you don't know Jesus, or if you are here and you need healing, or deliverance. We're going to ask you to come to the front. And we're going to sing a worship song. And then then I want you just where you are. Just just for a moment. And I, we, we have 10 minutes. So I want you to ask God. Lord. Why am I here? Why are we here? Don't just ask me. Say Lord why are we here? The Aspelin clan sitting here. Why are you here? Because the way these three generations grow up together, it's God's purpose. But see, see, then you don't start to 
just move around because unfortunately churches have become like shopping centers. What's in it for me? No, I'm, 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 I'm going to buy the house where it's the cheapest. No, 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 no. Is there any faith involved? Have you asked God what is on His heart why you should be there? But so many people go through this life, they've got no cause. They've, they're just like, oh, okay, I'm going to settle there because that's the most convenient for me. And then they walk away, just very slowly in our hearts from that place. And I hear it every week. No, 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 you know. I'm managing my life. God really hasn't got a say. Why are you here in this church this morning? Did you realize God planted you here? Did you realize there's a reason why you are here? There's a cause why you are here. There's no spectators here. There are lots of churches where they can, where you can be a spectator. Please go there if you want to. You're free to go wherever you want. But begin to ask God and say, God, there's a cause. And we're standing, you know, Billy Graham died this week. I don't know if you know spiritually, but spiritually we are standing on the verge of one of the greatest seasons of the church. When the old gods begin to die. Then suddenly God ushers a new generation in. But it's not going to be an individual fancy people. It's going to be the body of Christ. The body of Christ is beginning to stand up. The body of Christ is beginning to walk ordinary people becoming ministers of the gospel. I'm so excited. I say, yes, God, I want to be part of that. (laughs) The body of Christ is beginning to arise and shine. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.